You know when the clock strikes 12, that Midnight Mania Sports hosted by Austin Takuda and George Hathaway starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Midnight Mania Sports Season 2, Episode 3. I am your host, George Hathaway. Alongside with me, of course, is Austin Takuda. Austin, lovely doing one of these with you again. Good to see you again, George. Uh, a lot to talk about in the last week. But, um, you know, a lot of injuries, a lot of big mm-hmm. events that happened over the weekend that we'll get into. I'm excited to go over it with you. Yeah, and Austin, you mentioned the injuries. NFL injuries happened a lot in week two. That seemed like there was a storyline throughout the entire week, really. And the big one, Saquon Barkley and Nick Bosa, both tore their ACLs on Sunday. Yeah, a horrible weekend in the NFL. I mean, every time I check my phone, it seems like there's a new injury. And I'm not kidding. I mean, that's just what it's been all day, all of Sunday and yesterday as well. I mean, Cortland Sutton went down with an injury. Drew Locke is out two to six weeks. Obviously, I mean, you mentioned Saquon being out with the torn ACL. That's horrible. I mean, for a guy who has been so good at such a young age in his career, now has a torn ACL. I mean, how is he going to bounce back from that? That's going to be the big question because we've only seen you know, a handful of guys bounce back from a knee injury like that and be as effective as they were. So especially at the running back position, it doesn't happen often after serious injuries like that. Uh, Nick Bosa, a guy who had an impressive rookie year last year, you know, tough to see him going down. And Drew Locke for the Broncos um, was supposed to step up this year and be their quarterback. Not going to happen for at least two to six weeks. And then uh, Christian McCaffrey, even four to six weeks with a sprained ankle. I mean, you have some people saying it's because there was no preseason, but at the same time, I don't know if that's the case because, I mean, they would have gotten limited touches in the preseason anyway for, you know, guys like Barkley and McCaffrey. They're going to run the ball a maximum of 15 to 20 times in the preseason. So I don't know if that's the issue, but something's not right. I mean, so many injuries and, you know, so early in the season, hopefully we don't see many more in the next couple of weeks. And you mentioned how Drew Locke went down. And Blake Bortles, the Broncos signed him to be his replacement for those two to six weeks. And if you're the Broncos and he does well, I'm going to be keeping Bortles there at that position. Yeah, uh, Bortles, not a good quarterback in Jacksonville. I mean, it partially Mm -hmm. wasn't his fault. They didn't do much around him besides Fournette. And they let Allen Robinson walk. They they could have done some better things for him in Jacksonville. But you got to think if he was – you know, better than he, you know, better than he was in Jacksonville, he would have had a job already. So being added to the Broncos kind of late is interesting, but I think that's a good move by them because Jeff Driscoll is going to get to start the next couple weeks, but I wouldn't be surprised if Bortles is in the lineup. And if he plays well, they'll probably stick with them at this point. I mean, you don't know what the next couple weeks are going to bring for them. I mean, they're 0-2 at this point. And you don't want to rush a quarterback back from a you know shoulder injury. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Drew Locke's out longer than six weeks, depending on how his replacements play. And another replacement is for Saquon Barkley. And that's going to be Devontae Freeman. He was on the Falcons. And he was a, an amazing running back. He was all pro. And he had a phenomenal few years with the Falcons. And how do you think he's going to play in New York with the Giants? Yeah, as you said, he was really good with the Falcons for a few years. Um, Dion Lewis is in New York with the Giants now. So he's a guy who can't get more than 10 carries a game, really. I mean, we saw him in New England get 15 to you know, 17 a couple times. But he's best when he's getting, you know, 5 to 10 rushes and 5 to 10 catches. So 
Lewis will be the number two still. But the problem with Freeman, he's going to have to take a week or two to get used to the offense and figure things out. Mm-hmm. Now, I think if you put prime Adrian Peterson back there, the running back would still struggle. That Giants offensive line is just horrible. If you watch the first couple of games of the year, I mean, there was four guys in the backfield on Saquon before he even got three steps. That's why. That's in part why Ben Roethlisberger had more rushing yards than Saquon Barkley in week one. That's just how bad the Giants offensive line is. So Freeman gets to start eventually within one or two weeks. I mean, he'll be the starter by week four or five. But if you're Freeman, you're now going to have to make something work with a horrible offensive line. I mean, he can do his best, but as you saw how bad Saquon was the first two weeks, there was nothing he could do. And, you know, throughout the entire offseason, I think reporters and fans thought the Giants were really going to try to improve that offensive line with the draft picks that they had. And it doesn't seem like it's working out for them. Yeah, it's still early, but they just continue to struggle. I mean, Daniel Jones can only do so much back there when he's getting sacked often. And as I mentioned, how, you know, you don't see Big Ben rushing much. And for him to have more rushing yards in a game than Saquon is, you know, horrible. I mean, the Giants got to be, they got to fix something. And at this point, it's looking like another lost season for New York. And switching over to baseball, the A's clinch the AL West and the postseason Austin starts only in a few weeks. Yeah, um, it's exciting. I mean, there's only a few games left. I think the Phillies have seven left and they're playing two of them today. I know some teams have, you know, the Cardinals might have a few more due to some cancellation games earlier in the year, but most teams will be wrapping up within the next week or two. And with the postseason this year, it's interesting because you have teams who really haven't been in the playoffs much recently. The A's have made a few appearances here and there, but we'll, we'll get into it throughout the show is a lot of different teams this year are going to create a very unique playoffs. And without fans, um, it'll be interesting. But the A's have done it again without spending much money, without really having a superstar. You have Matt Chapman, their best player, who went out for the season with an injury. But the other guys have stepped up and Year after year, the A's continue to be contenders without the big name on their team, which you know really makes you wonder why the Angels can't figure out how to make the playoffs. It's going to be a very interesting postseason. I mean, and I know we're going to talk about this later, but the the wild card race is going to be very close. Mm-hmm. And you know, the A's are already clinching. I think that they are. Do you think that they're going to be a front runner for the World Series for the pennant? I don't think they – I mean, they'll they'll do well in the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to win the World Series. I don't think they're going to reach it there. If you match them up with a team like the White Sox, the White Sox have a way better lineup. They have better pitching. The A's, you know, defensively the A's are probably better. But I just think when it comes down to it, they're really going to miss Matt Chapman, who mm-hmm. was a rock of that team, kind of at third base, a gold glover, but off the plate as well. 10 homers, only batting around 240, but he's a guy who can really drive in runs and play defense that you just can't replace. So they're going to have a tough time without him. Their other their pitching staff's not bad. They've had a few guys turning quality outings each all, all year. You know, you have Sean Manea, a guy who's thrown a no-hitter in the past, a guy who's been pretty solid, but they don't really have someone that I look at and I'm like, okay, they need one win, who can they go to? Now, some of the better teams have that guy. The White Sox have Lucas Giolito this year. You look at the Yankees, have Garrett Cole. Even look at the Rays, who they can go to Blake Snell. So I don't think the A's really have that. They're missing a couple pieces right now before they can contend. But you never know with the A's. They can get hot at the right time and put together, you know, you don't have to win every game 2 nothing. So you, don't, you might not need the pitching if your offense is that good. So we'll see what they can string together. But 
you know, I've learned over the last you know decade, you can never count out Oakland because they're always going to figure something out. And one of the other breaking news we kind of have here is the NHL MVP announced their winner. Austin, do you mind pronouncing that? I don't want to butcher his name. Um, but what's interesting, right, is the Oilers now have two MVPs on their roster with Leon Dreisalt. Dreisalt? I don't know exactly how to pronounce the name. But the Oilers with Connor McDavid and now this year's MVP have managed to not build a franchise when you have two MVPs on the same team. No idea how that's possible. I mean, I'm not a huge hockey guy, but at the same time, the Bruins don't have an MVP on their roster, really. I mean, I know how good Chara was in his day, how good Bergeron was, and how good Pasternak's going to be. But if you have two guys who literally won the MVP award, how are you not contending exactly, for exactly, a Stanley Cup? So. I don't. We'll figure that one out eventually. Uh, but <laughs> Guess we at least for this year, congrats on the uh, MVP award to Edmonton. And going into the NFL, Raiders and Saints, Monday night football. That was a little bit of a surprising one. The Patriots play the Raiders next week. So that was a pretty good game. Yeah. Um, a couple headlines from that one. Derek Carr looked better. I mean, he's still. I don't think he's still a franchise quarterback. And the other one is, which Drew Brees kind of didn't want to talk about after the game, is how he's not as sharp. I mean, he wasn't bad at all. 26 out of 38 passing, 312, a touchdown and one pick, but only averaging like 8.2 yards per you know passing attempt. He's clearly missing Michael Thomas. We know that. And it's hard for him to, I guess, you know, make up for the best receiver in football statistically. So Alvin Kamara led the team with nine catches for 95 yards, which never good to have your running back. As good as Kamara is, you need somebody else. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders was just one catch, a guy you brought in to be your number two. Traquan Smith played well with five catches for 86. So, Breeze, for the first time in a while, is not going to have a go-to weapon. Before Michael Thomas, he had Jimmy Graham for years. Mm-hmm. You know, Robert Meacham, Marcus Colston, two guys who are really good at receiver. So, this is the first time where he's really kind of struggling to find that go-to guy. It can be Camaro, but at the same time, you can't – I mean, Camaro's going to get 30 touches a game at this rate. Yeah, this was not the same Saints team as it was last week against the Buccaneers. That team came out hot, and they were firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. But looking at this team, there's a lot of I felt a miscommunication, a lot of you know, drop passes, some things they could have done on defense. I mean, Derek Carr played phenomenal. I mean, that's a QB that really a lot of people don't feel like is an elite quarterback. And here he is pretty much throwing dimes and touchdowns all over mm-hmm this Saints defense that's the thing is you know he's been in the league now a few years he had a you know a year a couple years back where he looked like an MVP candidate looked like a breakout quarterback but since then he's really not you know he's kind of struggled and I think part of that is they needed a couple years to retool things kind of figure things out after they traded Amari Cooper traded Khalil Mack and it's worked out for him now I mean you have Henry Ruggs who looks pretty good at receiver Darren Waller a Pro Bowl tight end for Carr Josh Jacobs, another running back who looks very legitimate and looks like a guy who can be a pro bowler for years to come. So now you've kind of, you know, took you a couple years to take a couple steps back with Fakar, but now you finally have some weapons around him that look pretty good. So this could be a year where the Raiders surprise some people. I mean, the Broncos in their division are 0-2 now. The Chiefs are 2-0, but they struggled to get by the, the Chargers. 
So, I mean, for the Raiders, there's a good chance for them to come in top two in that division with the Chargers struggling and the Broncos struggling and contend with the Chiefs for either the division lead or a playoff. I mean, they're going to get a playoff spot, I think, this year. But you can contend with the Chiefs right now the way they're playing. Yeah, and that's what's surprising about the Raiders and not a lot of people thought they they were going to be here. But like you mentioned, all those trades that they did throughout the last few years, I think is now paying off for them mm-hmm. in the long run right now. You, as they played a great competitive New Orleans Saints team that is a Super Bowl contender. But now looking at how they played against the Raiders, I don't really see that happening anymore. And honestly, it might have been the new stadium that kind of gave them that extra push. But the Raiders. Have you seen that thing? Game. That's amazing. That's huge. It's huge. And um, the Raiders are playing the Patriots next week. And how is that going to turn out for them? If are they going to have a good another good game, or was this just like a one hit wonder for them? This is a real test for both teams, Raiders versus Patriots. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the Pats, you have how are you going to bounce back from a loss against a really good team? They played really well. They're receiving a lot of praise from a lot of people for their play. So they'll have a chance here to either, you know, bounce back at home, pick up a win. And if you're the Raiders, you want to prove how legitimate you are. You want to show that you can contend and there's no better way to do that than beat a, you know, the the dynasty of the New England Patriots. So this is a, you know, this could end up being one of the biggest games of the season for Derek Carr and the Raiders. I mean, they have a chance here to knock the Patriots to one and two and they have a chance to go three and oh. So this is a huge proving point. So the Patriots got to be ready because they're a really good football team. And for the Raiders, you can't get too comfortable, which we see too many times with teams who get off to a hot start. So we'll see how both teams respond. But this is might be the best game on Sunday. And, you know, we mentioned the Patriots, Sunday night football, Patriots in Seattle against the Seahawks. And what was a very high – it wasn't a high-scoring game, but it was a very offensive, heavy game. And – Cam Newton had played phenomenal, 389 yards, one interception, one touchdown, one rushing touchdown. And on the other side of the ball, Russell Wilson played absolutely phenomenal as well. Yeah, that was a great game uh, by both teams. I mean, defensively, the Pats had some struggles. They started off really strong. I actually called that pick six when I was at my friend's house watching the game. I said, they're going to throw a pick six here, just like joking, but it ended up coming true. But The Patriots need some help, I think, in a couple areas. Mm -hmm. Um, But you really can't complain about the game if you're a Patriots fan. I mean, Russell Wilson's Russell Wilson. I mean, what do you want? you got to pick on him, which is huge. A lot of teams can't even do that. And, yeah, I think they need some help in linebacker. That's where I think the biggest struggles were. Bentley looks really slow out there. Kyle Duggar looks really good, uh, their draft Mm -hmm. pick. He looks pretty good all over the field. So their biggest thing for me was kind of, this is the Seahawks and it's Russell Wilson. Like you gave him a competitive game that nobody really, you know, knew how good you're going to be this year. So I'm not really, I don't think there's that many big issues from the game. I don't really have that many complaints and I don't think that they need to overreact and kind of, you know, retool the whole team at all or kind of change some things up. I think what they're doing is working fine. And Julian Edelman had a career high game in, yards and that's something you we you wouldn't expect to kind of see him you you would have thought his career would have been with Tom Brady's career high in yards but no I think the connection between him and Cam Newton is very strong I think those two guys really like playing with each other 
And offensively, the Patriots just looked insane. It, it, I felt like it was really the defense. They were getting ran all over. The linebackers are slow. And, mm-hmm. I mean, even Stephon Gilmore, he was getting, you know, bullied a little bit by DK Metcalf. And yeah. that's understandable because, I mean, Metcalf's huge. He's a monster as a receiver. And I threw the one play, uh, the only touchdown, or the touchdown for Metcalf was on Gilmore. And Gilmore was right there with him, you know, tried to strip it, but Metcalf was too much stronger. And, you know, that was the defensive player of the year last year. And he just kind of got bodied by Metcalf. Mm. But that's something I'd expect because of how big and talented he is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I thought Gilmore played the ball pretty well on that touchdown, the long one to Metcalf. But it was just a great catch and a perfect throw by a guy who's going to contend for an MVP award. Um, in terms of the Patriots' weapons, I think everyone played pretty well, as you mentioned. Edelman looked good, and I think that's in part due to Cam's ability to run the football. You have the linebackers constantly worried about Cam Newton running and taking off that. Edelman's finding space more often and not have to worry about, you know, three guys over the middle. Because when Brady drops back to pass, there was no concern that he was taking off. They wouldn't even worry about him. So that's an extra set of eyes on Edelman, an extra set of eyes on the running back of the backfield. And now they're so you know, concerned with Cam taking off that I think Edelman's finding, you know, a lot of free spots in the defense and, you know, going to have a huge year, I think, if, if this game's any indication. And let's talk about that last play of the game. The Patriots were down. They came back fourth quarter driving in typical Patriots style. And they were, you know, pretty close, three yards in, three yards to the goal line. And, you know, Cam Newton ran it. But then he got tackled and he didn't get anywhere close to the end zone. And he said today that that was his fault. He probably should have bounced on the outside. Yeah, it's, um, you know, rewatching it, it's easy to say he should have done this or he should have, you know, bounced it around the edge or whatever. But in real time, I'm sure it's not that easy of a decision. I know Cam said that himself. I know a lot of, you know, writers and critics have said the same thing. Y'all, why didn't he cut left or whatever? But I, I you know, it's... It is what it is. You can't expect perfection, I don't think. I mean, I know Bill and, you know, they, they look for perfection in right. Foxborough. But at the same time, it's you gave it a great effort the whole game. And um, was the play call the right play call? I think comes down to it. And probably, I mean, you know how good the Seahawks linebacking core is with Bobby Wagner. So you got to try to compensate for that. But uh, it's hard. I mean, if they, the thing is, in that situation, if they throw the ball, right, and it's incomplete, people are going to say, why didn't they run the ball with Cam? Right. Cam's a beast. If they run the ball with Cam, which they did and he doesn't get in, people are going to say, why didn't they throw the ball? Why didn't they try to find Edelman? So it's kind of a lose-lose, I think, on the play mm-hmm. goal, unless they score. That's the only way they get it right, because I think fans and you know analysts alike are going to criticize what, what you do, even if it's wrong. I mean, either way, whatever you could have done. If you would have done you know, a passing play incomplete, they would have criticized that, as I said, but... It's just kind of a lose-lose unless you score. So either way, whatever the play call is, um, I'm sure Cam will tell you and Bill, like they said, kind of they got to execute better. But it'll, it'll all come through. I mean, that was a great performance overall by Cam in the offense. That was a great game. And the big talk is do the Patriots need another offensive weapon? And Cam Newton mentioned today that the guys who are in the locker room right now are those guys that we need. I 100% agree, and I had, you know, I tweeted with one of our friends about this earlier, kind of, 
Man, I don't think they need another weapon. I think the problem was the linebackers on Sunday. The linebackers looked slow, and your defense didn't do their job. If this was a defense of last year, I think you'd be looking at a game where the Patriots win, you know, 30-whatever, 31-22 to 22 or something. You know what I mean? I think it was – it could have been a completely different game if the defense stepped up and got a stop. Now, with the guys they have, Harry – Kind of struggling a little bit. He looks okay, but there's no yards after the catch, and there's no broken tackles from him, but he's still so young. This is really a rookie year for him, and it's a new quarterback, so it's not an easy adjustment. Yeah, Harry's had 18 catches in the last two weeks, and that's tied for the most on the Patriots along with Julian Edelman, Davis Bird. He's also up there, I believe, with 10 catches. So – a lot, there's a lot of um, spreading out the ball on the Patriots with giving the different guys a ball. And Jacob Johnson had his first touchdown, the fullback as a Patriot. And that was like a little kind of fake run by Cam Newton. And then he just kind of just threw it over the line and dumped mm-hmm. it off, which I thought that should have been the play at the goal line instead, instead of like Cam rushing it. But, I mean, like you said, Austin, everybody can critique. And the end of the day, it's a lose-lose, really. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I like the guys they have with Edelman and Harry. And then Demir Bird looks pretty good. I mean, he had a decent game. He was invisible week one, but then week two, six catches for 72 yards. So an improvement for him. And I think the Patriots are in good shape. And it's only been two weeks, so it's kind of hard to assess what you have. Mm-hmm. Obviously, James White wasn't in the lineup um, due to the tragedy. You know, that's a tough situation, obviously. But he's a guy that whenever he's ready, they'll love to have back, you know, I don't, it doesn't need to be soon, but whenever James can get back on the field, obviously they'd love to have him. And he's another weapon that they can use in the slot or wherever out of the backfield. So that's another piece that you already have in your locker room, essentially. So I think I, I got to agree with Kim. I don't know if you need somebody. Obviously, you'd love to have, you know, a guy of the talents of Allen Robinson from Chicago or somebody available that's a stud receiver. But I really think that you got to give it at least three more weeks and see what you have in Nikhil Harry, see how Edelman continues to play, and see what really Demir Bird is, because two weeks really doesn't tell the whole story. Right. And Austin, probably one of the best games um, of the week, besides a Sunday night game, I had to say is the Cowboys and Falcons. That was a great game. I mean, Falcons doing what the Falcons do best, choking first half leads and I I have no words except how about them Cowboys because they are on fire right now they looked great Sunday I don't know if I'd say on fire week one didn't look too good there for my having the momentum he was really going it was an onside kick away from being fired so (laughs) I don't know if his start in Dallas has been what they would have hoped after a couple of fake punts not gone well, but you got to be impressed though by Dak and the offensive toughness. I mean, Dak coming back in there, leading them to victory. That's not easy. Even if the Falcons are the Falcons, it's not, not an easy comeback. I mean, very impressive all around good execution by them, but I don't know what Atlanta is doing. I mean, how they're the first team like ever to score that many points with no turnovers and lose like ever literally. I don't know how they're that bad. They just stare at the onside kick. It is, it's coaching. Like some it people is, are saying it that Somebody it's, needs to be fired. You know, yeah. Some, some people are saying that it's, um, you know, it's not on the coach on the players. Well, if he coached them, right, that wouldn't happen in the Patriots. You know what I mean? They wouldn't oh, stare at an onside no. kick. They know to jump on it. Uh, what kind of rule did you think it is that you can't touch it on defense if it doesn't go 10 yards? 
Like, well, there's no logic. I, th- I think that's what they thought. That's that it had to have been them. the issue. I mean, you can't touch it till it goes ten yards. But even then, if you're wrong, take the gamble and take the penalty. Yeah, they just exactly. don't know the rules. Gonna, that's just gonna, bad you're coaching. Get the ball back and then you lose a few yards yeah. and then game's over. But Dak Prescott played absolutely phenomenal. Four hundred and fifty yards and one touchdown. I mean, that's pretty, pretty good. He's going to be up yeah. there, I think, as an MVP candidate as well, along with yeah. Russell Wilson. Maybe throw in Kyler Murray as well. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals right now are two and zero, and something I thought they were just going to win Week One, and that'd be it. And then, but no, here they are. They're coming in two and zero right now. Yeah, they look good. I mean, Kyler, Russell, you know, Mahomes every year is going to be good, and mm-hmm. Dak too, and even Cam Newton. Newton be in statistically has been pretty good. So, I mean, two weeks is tough to tell, but I think the Cowboys are going to win that division relatively easily this year. The Washington football team is not a competitive team. Yes, they beat the Eagles week one, but the Eagles look really bad. They're 0-2, horrible all-around job. Carson Wentz is not a franchise quarterback. And the Giants, obviously, we talked about, are already in ruins. They should just rebuild even further than they already are rebuilding. I would just trade everyone. More draft picks, start over. So I think your Cowboys will win the division this year. I mean, not not because they're good, which they're they're pretty decent. They're good. They're decent. But if you know, if the Eagles were as competitive as they were their Super Bowl year, the Eagles would mop the floor with them. So the this is a Cowboys team that is a, I guess, I don't know how, what the right word would be, but a. You know, this is a result of the opportunity around them. You know what I mean? So they're, they're going to they're gonna succeed due to the lack of talent in the division. That's, that's what I'm talent. looking for. There's a ton of talent in the NFC East. You got Dak, Zeke. <laughs> yeah, talent on the Cowboys. Um, um, yeah. Saquon. Well, Barkley injured. Yeah, Barkley's, yeah, Barkley's injured. Uh, the football team in Washington doesn't have much. Oh, I was going to say they had AP, but no. They, got rid of and they cut him. Uh, yeah, well, so yeah, weak so division. A short list. <laughs> <laughs> weak division. Moving on to the MLB, Austin. The playoffs are upcoming. How hyped are you for this? I'm excited. I mean, it's a different format this year. You have eight teams in each. Uh, league making the playoffs. You have the division winners, and you have the second place teams in the division. Then two wild cards, I believe, is a breakdown for it. Um, being a Phillies fan, they aren't going to make the playoffs. I don't think. I'm not surprised. Since the, since April of 2018, they are exactly 500. Same amount of wins, same amount of losses. It's impressive. It's impressive to be that mediocre for two years now. So they've changed coaches. Well, I think that they could add more if they had a good general manager. Matt Clentak needs to be fired on a rocket to the moon <laughs> and never to be managing that team again generally. I mean, Joe Girardi's a good manager, but you're literally you're giving them guys who probably would get hammered in men's league softball if they pitch. They're horrible. <laughs> this bullpen is the worst bullpen literally since like 1908. No other bullpen has a worse ERA. Heath Hembry, who they traded for from Boston, has a nine ERA. They had to put him on the injured list because he's so bad. They just made up an injury. He said, oh, his right elbow hurts. Uh, his probably brain hurts because he's so bad. <laughs> he isn't actually injured. He's just horrible. So they're not going to make the playoffs, which I'm not – I mean, 
they have the eight seed right favorite? now. How do you think I'm a Pirates fan? How You're a Pirates I fan. Feel? They have the worst record in baseball. And then, and then I got this news today that their prospect, O'Neill Cruz, is now being detained after he caused a car accident in the Dominican Republic and killed three people. Ooh. He's ranked well, 29th not on the MLB prospect list. Yeah, he's supposed to be good. Yeah, so there go our chances. <laughs> oh, man, that's tough. Um, we'll have to see what ends up happening there. That's, that's a tough loss for Pittsburgh. They face but, three years and- in prison. Well, on the bright side, you guys have the number one pick probably in the MLB draft. Yeah, so let's do something. Jack Leiter's coming your way. Give Josh Bell someone to work with before he's gone too. Well, he's also batting like 208, so. Well, he had a great season last year. It, it's a different type of year. It's fine. Yeah. Well, either way, I'm excited for the playoffs because you're going to see teams that I'm more I'm most excited because you're going to see teams that haven't been in the playoffs in a while start to get a chance, you know. I want to see the Padres do well. I want to see the White Sox do well. And, you know, the Red Sox aren't making it. They're the third worst team in baseball record-wise right now. So you're getting a change of scenery, which is nice. I mean, you're getting – you know, the Red Sox aren't in there. The Dodgers are still in. The Yankees are still in. But you're going to have new teams, which is going to be exciting. And I think it's good for baseball because you're getting teams around the country that aren't in to finally be competitive. I I think it's great for the game of baseball as well. You're getting some teams that – last season weren't at the, their peak at the best and then mm-hmm. you also have the Padres who are pretty much like everyone's talking about them they're like what's hip right now is the San Diego Padres and just by having them in the playoffs I think it's going to draw more media attention and more attention to the game of baseball and you know having the Chicago White Sox back in I think that's going to be great Oakland A's are a really great team right mm-hmm. now the Yankees they clinched as well so I mean it's just going to be a great year for baseball. Yeah, it's exciting. A good time um, for a lot of these guys to make names for themselves. And mm-hmm. it's going to be tough if you're looking at it from a business standpoint and trying to get viewers because now you're going up against the NFL, the NBA Finals mm-hmm. soon, the Stanley Cups wrapping up soon. Um, so if you're baseball, within the next two weeks, you're going to have to contend with – I can't see them. I mean, they're going to have games on Monday night. There's too many teams playing this year. So you're going to have to go up against Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football or whatever, but your ratings are going to be low, and people are going to freak out and say, oh, people can't even watch the postseason. It's not even that. It's just if I have if, if I have Josh Jacobs playing in Monday Night Football and the Padres versus Dodgers are on, I'm going to watch Josh Jacobs because i got to see my fantasy football team do well. Yeah. But, I mean, so, Dodgers-Padres matchup, that would be pretty interesting to watch. And it's just all bad timing, really, for the MLB. But I think once the NBA dies down and, like, that's the finals are Mm -hmm. over, I think then the views are going to start, you know, trending upwards. But still, they're going to have a tough competition. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens. But, you know, they still get their big market teams in there with Mm -hmm. the Yankees and Dodgers. So that will at least draw some attention. And speaking of the NBA finals – the conference finals are going on right now. Celtics play tonight against the Miami Heat. They're down two to one, and it looks like they're going to have some momentum. Yeah, so they finally got Gordon Hayward back, mm-hmm. which is huge. I mean, he's not on the injury report, which is nice. They played much better in game three against that zone defense, which they struggled against in game two, um, part of game one, too. So they started finally getting the basket, which is nice. And I don't see any chemistry issues between this team at all. I mean, we know there was reports of fighting between Smart and Jalen, but 
I think it'll be fine. They look, you know, they saw videos of them at the pool yesterday having fun. So I'm not really worried at all about this team. Um, I don't know. This series is tough because Miami is such a good team. And, um, you know, Miami, with them being so talented, Spolster is such a good coach that they're going to figure out something. Whatever answer the Celtics have, Miami's going to have an answer. So Brad Stevens needs to bring out his best stuff here and be two steps ahead because our Spolster is always one step ahead. Yeah, and it's just an absolutely great series. The last time these two teams played against each other in the Eastern Conference Finals was 2012, and that went to seven games. So I think Kemba Walker, he's been shooting very well the last, um, I think just the last two games overall. Um, he's been playing a lot better, and I think that's helped the team out a lot. I mean, you saw that happen game two. Unfortunately, they lost, but still. Kemba put up some points on the board and then along with game three. And it's all about really for the Celtics is maintaining that third quarter lead. You know, they have the lead at halftime and then in third quarters, they usually end up losing that third quarter matchup because I don't know why maybe they're just too tired. They're just, you know, they think they have a lead and they're just going to keep it, but you got to maintain that lead in the third quarter because then it's going to get harder for you in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's the biggest thing for them is, you know, if you finally get out to a lead, don't blow it. I mean, Kemba did a good job in game three of whenever Miami started to go on a run, Kemba would get a bucket and just kind of silence the run, you know, or just not allow Miami to get a ton of momentum. So that's what has to happen. Um, Hayward is going to only be better. I mean, he had a really good game and only scoring six points. I mean, he was effective all around, but he's going to take it to another level as each game, you know, goes on and as he gets more comfortable and, you know, more you know healed from that ankle injury and on the other side of the coast on the other side of the west coast the nuggets and lakers are in the western conference finals nuggets are down oh and two to the lakers and that's it's not really that surprising uh the western conference finals i think game two on sunday night was the lowest rating tv ratings uh since 2003 for the western conference finals so, I mean, again, they were competing with one of the best like Sunday night games we've had all season in two weeks right. of NFL. But still, like, that's just predictable at this point. You know what I mean? You're, you're playing a Nuggets team that Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, that's pretty much it. And then mm. you have the Lakers who are just dominating. Yeah. Um, if I had a broom, I'd get it out right now. This series is already over. Lakers are going to win in four. As Charles Barkley said, he uh, the other night on the TNT show, they asked Charles about the series. He goes, well, the Nuggets had a good season. Which, yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think the Lakers have this series won. Um, it might go to five or six games. But I think, you know, Denver just doesn't match up well. Jokic can't guard Anthony Davis. And they have nobody to even come close to touching LeBron. And with Rondo being back in the lineup, he's helped bring the team to a new level that they were missing without him because now they have – anytime LeBron steps off the court, they have another floor general in Rondo who helps really solidify their offense. So it's uh, – it'll be Lakers versus Celtics or Heat, which that, can you imagine Lakers-Celtics or even Lakers-Heat, LeBron versus the Heat who we left and yeah. somehow they're still making it to the finals. Either way, it's a win-win for the NBA. I mean, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson are absolutely balling out, though, for the Miami Heat. Um I think I offensively, thought, yeah, offensively, I think they're going to be the next Splash Brothers. Really, the two of them, if they can shoot at that that rate that they are right now. 
I think Hero actually has a little bit more in his game than Clay. Like Hero, the, like Clay's really good, but Clay's a better defender. Hero will never reach that level defensively. I don't think Clay has more size than him. He's gonna have to add muscle. But I think what I've seen from Hero is his ability to score multiple different ways. Like Clay's a you know Clay's a great spot up shooter. Mm-hmm. Come off screen, dude. But I never really saw Clay have a mid-ranger or a floater. I'm sure he can do it, and I'm sure it was overshadowed by Durant and Steph being there, but I just think Hero has such a huge ceiling. He gets rebounds. He can pass. So he's a kid who can be around the league a while doing a lot of different things well. Hero reminds me a lot of Gordon Hayward when he was younger, but such a better shooter than Hayward already. So Robinson's a knockdown shooter, kind of like J.J. Redick in a way, but Robinson can't play defense. Every time he was on one of the Celtics, you know, Brown or Tatum, they just go right by him, right to the hoop. But I, I agree. Those two guys are going to be really good shooters for a long time in this league. And I, I really like – Tyler Hero is a great player. I think he brings a lot of spark to the um, – for, for the Miami Heat. And he mm-hmm. was in the last year's draft. He was a 13th pick. And he didn't get one vote for rookie of the year. Yeah, he – It's insane. Yeah, I mean, he flew under the radar. I mean, in Miami, because that team plays so, to get, so together that they don't worry about stats. I mean, Butler has a game where he scores 14 and they win. He's happy. doesn't matter. So Hero, and they have all bought into the same way. One of us is going to score 20. We don't care which one it is tonight, whether it's Bam or Dragic or Butler, even Iguodala off the bench. You know, they play so well together that hero is not going to put up the eye popping stats for a couple of years. Um, it doesn't need to, I mean, they have so many different guys that can score 10 points that they're such a complete basketball team. Now, Jimmy Butler has done such a good job of being the leader that the Celtics wanted Kyrie to be. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. I mean, they traded for Kyrie thinking they had the star that could lead this team to a championship. Butler is the guy that he, Butler is exactly what Miami wanted. And they, they got to be thrilled throw up two one. So, I think it's still anybody's series, but this this series is probably going to go seven, and I don't think I can take it. I don't think anybody in Boston can take another seven-game series, especially in the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, they, mm. the Celtics beat the Raptors in seven games, and nobody thought that would have happened after the Celtics were up 2-0. Yeah, that was an exciting one. Yeah, no, that, that, was a, that was a tough series to watch <laughs> and handle. Austin, do you have any closing remarks? Um, go Patriots, go Phillies. Uh, it's been a good year for, you know, the Patriots so far. We'll see what they can build off for next Sunday. Big game coming up. Probably the biggest one of the week, I think, around the league, even though it's not in a primetime slot. So, you know, we'll have to see where the Patriots stand after that game, but that's a huge one. For me, Austin. Anything for you, George? Let's see, let's see. Um, go Patriots, of course. You know, mm. hopefully they beat the Raiders in a game that's going to prove a lot to the NFL about Cam Newton and the Patriots. Go Cowboys. They're going to have another great win, hopefully. I'm hoping I'm rooting for them. And Pirates, just keep tanking. Just keep tanking. Get that number one pick. Yes. That's what you guys need. It didn't work for the Phillies. They had a number one pick and four in the top six. And mm-hmm. no, no, good, not good. Not good. Yeah. <laughs> well, that'll do oh, well. it here on Midnight Mania Sports. George Hathaway, Austin Dakota, and we will see you back again later this week.